jealous or curious? Jealous or curious? Are you jealous or are you curious? In life, in general, the way you live, the way you think about life, the way you think about relationships, the way you think about God, the way you think about Jesus, the way you think about spirituality. Jealous or curious? Let's have a read of a passage and then we will have a discussion about it. In Acts chapter 5, verse 12. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by all the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. I mean, that's just a, a wow, isn't it? I mean, people are so excited about the possibility of healing, they'll bring a friend and put them in a place where Peter, Peter's shadow will pass by. I mean, you've got to figure out where the sun is. The sun's over there, he's going to walk there. Okay, shadow there. Right, let's put, put, our, put our sick person. I mean, this is really intense. And crowds from the towns around Jerusalem, not just those nearby, but, but the towns, they're traveling in and they don't have buses and they don't have the tube and they don't have a car. I mean, it's an amazing wow is going on in Jerusalem. If this was happening in Watford, we'd all know about it. It would be the headline of the Watford Observer on their website and everywhere, and no one else would be talking about, no one would be talking about anything else other than this. So this is Jerusalem in, uh, in a state of heightened excitement and amazement. Let's go on. Then, the high priest and all his associates, who are members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with... Jealousy. Of all the things, filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and the, his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on, on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. Must have been a little worrying for them and a little humorous as well in the same, same way. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. <laughs> on hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss as you would be, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. I mean, you're taking away the guy whose shadow, if he falls on my friend, might heal him. You're taking him away? I want to bring him back. I mean, no wonder they thought they might get stoned. The apostles were brought in, made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, 
We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on the cross. Jesus exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. I mean, this is good news. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do with these men. Some time ago, Theudas appeared, claiming to be somebody. About 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. All his followers were dispersed. It all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census, led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed. And all his followers scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Wouldn't it be amazing to have lived through all that, to have been in Jerusalem at that time and to experience all of these uh, things going on? Jealous or curious? What was the main problem that the high priests and his associates had with the apostles? What would you say? If you try to put yourself in their shoes, what's the main problem that they have? What's the main problem with the wrong attitude they have? What's the problem going on here if you're a high priest and one of the associates? Scared of losing authority. Yep, good. Anything else, Sean? Um, I'm trying to think, scared of or afraid of uh, recognizing their own guilt. It's in fact trying to avoid feeling it, and then preaching is going to kind of stir those feelings that they don't like. I don't like that feeling of guilt. Yes, whether they're dealing with it, not dealing with it, trying not to deal with it. Good stuff. Thank you. Anything else? Loss of authority, problem with guilt. I mean, they're certainly jealous. That's what it says. They are, in fact, filled with it. That's their primary, number one reaction to what's going on with the apostles. All the healing, all the teaching, all the preaching, all the crowds. Fine. They are jealous of what's going on. I would submit to you that as we talk through this passage today, that we've got to decide sometimes between jealousy and curiosity. Their primary problem was that they resorted to jealousy. They reacted with jealousy when the proper reaction should have been, could have been, would have been better to be curiosity. Our lives are better in every respect when we have a habit of curiosity, but in particular, spiritually. I'm going to talk about the reasons for that in a bit. Let's talk about the obstacles to curiosity. So 
where did the jealousy come from? We talked about authority, loss of authority. Where do you think the jealousy arose for the high priests and the, and the associates? What are they jealous of? Well, they're doing things that they can't do. Doing things they can't do? Popularity. Popularity. But even though, yeah, there's just so many people are drawn to them and listening to them and not... Yes, 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 James. They'd also done a lot of hard work kind of setting up the religious system and now all of a sudden everyone was looking elsewhere. Right, I mean, this, they'd invested in the status quo and now it's being challenged. Yes, good. Anything else? No one wants my show to fall on them. <laughs> That's right. That's right. They don't line people up for my shadow to fall on. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of possible uh, motives going on with motivating their jealousy. So what mistakes did their jealousy lead them to make? What mistakes did their jealousy lead them to make, what would you say, in this passage? What did it lead them to do that they might later regret? Well, they went against God because God was with the apostles. Okay. And they tried to lock them up and God didn't want it. All right, so a failed attempt at, uh, um, at, uh, at arresting and jailing uh, them, yeah. Okay. Anything else? Barry? They failed to look to try and understand what was really going on. Okay. They didn't look at and ask the question, what is going on? Anything else? Simon, you heard something? Not open minded. Okay, they're making a mistake there, yes, sure. How could they even have asked the people, what is this all about? Why right. are you so interested? Okay, so they could have not only spoken to the apostles as one option, but also why why are the crowds here? What why are you laying your sick friend here? What they could have engaged with the response to what the, the apostles were doing as well. Danny. It seemed to me that the prime motivational factor was recognition. Okay. Um, recognition. That they it's in between the lines. It, felt, it feels like they want, they want recognition for mm. the religious status they have. Yes. And they're not getting it, and they're the people are. Or they're losing it. Or they're losing it. Hmm. Yeah. It's shifting. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it one of the saddest things in 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 life is to see someone who is a has been, mm. a has been politician, a has been media star, a has been sports person who hasn't found a new purpose in life, and and it's all all about the past. It's all about what they used to have. Jealousy, in my opinion, I, I would say it sells. Jealousy sells. Jealousy gets people engaged. The emotional juices flow when jealousy is aroused in us. The media, I'm not going to blame the media as such, but it's, it's all in the media. Um, the media is full of people put on a, a, a screen, put on a, a page, um, put out there uh, someone who's more famous than you. Otherwise, why would you be looking at them? Someone who's richer than you, someone who's healthier than you, someone who's better looking than you, although who, who decides uh, on that, I don't know. But there are certain values that, that they have. Uh, someone who appears to be having more fun than you. You know, when you see people in the, in the newspapers, they're, uh, they're often smiling. Uh, and they look like they're having a great time. We don't know the rest of their life. Jealousy, it's everywhere. It happens in families and with friends too, doesn't it? We get jealous of family members. Sometimes parents don't help with this when they favor one child over another. Uh, I'm sure none of us do that or have done that, but maybe it happened to you. 
Jealousy is seen as a motivating factor. They've done so well. Why aren't you doing so well? They've got this degree. Why aren't you, you, why aren't you doing that? They've got air earning this much money. How much? And they're trying to arouse jealousy in you, in a sense. Not always very helpful. And I was, um, I think I was about 12. My best friend was Chris Graves. And Chris Graves and I used to play together regularly. He'd come to my house, I'd go to his house. Uh, we'd play uh, war games together. And uh, we were both into a lot of other hobbies. And uh, I went to his house. And it's funny how I think I was about 12. And this is like a crystal clear memory in my mind. Right? I went to his house. And he had a Dymo labeler. Anybody know what a Dymo labeler is? OK, so you punch. It's like, it's like a labeler, but it was with this plastic. Do they still exist? Did they make them back then? How old do you think I am? No. They, they still make them now. But so it's a punch thing, and, and you make labels, right? Okay, so my friend Chris had labels in all of his tins for his soldiers and all that stuff, and I only had like writing on my tins, and I loved his label. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. So he went out of his room at one point. I was at his house. He went out of his room. I took his labeler, and I made a label in my name, and I snipped it off and put it in my pocket so I could take it home and put it on something. I didn't even know what I was going to put it on. I was just so jealous of this labeler and, it, and how awesome it was that I was going to take this away and stick it on something. He came back in the room, and he looked at me, and he looked at his labeler, which I'd put, you know, back where it was. He said, um, do you, did you, and he picked it up, he had a look. He said, did you use my labeler? I said, no, 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 not me, no. No, labeler, what labeler? Um, and, and, and he's like, you sure? Because I'm sure it's been used since the last time I used it. And, and no, no, not me, not me. So I lied to his face. And uh, I went home and I stuck my label on whatever it was, which I do not remember now. It could have been a pencil case. Might have been, might have been my quill pace, uh, case. Um, the, uh, I stuck it on something and, and you know, I still carry guilt to this day. He was my best friend. I took advantage of my best friend, I lied to my best friend, and I don't think I've ever confessed it to him. So, Chris, if you're watching this, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done that. He lives in Wales, so maybe he'll get this. Um, I, I, jealousy drove me to do something that I still feel guilty about 45 years later. It's extraordinary, the power of jealousy in that negative way. And we see here the power of jealousy there. So what are, what's the problem with jealousy in our lives? Why is jealousy so dangerous? What do you think? What's the danger of jealousy? What does it do to us? Makes you do things that you're not supposed to do. Okay, you might regret. Stops seeing God. Stops us seeing God, right? Blinds us. Yes, okay. We, we compare each other in a world how God sees us. We can only see the material instead of seeing God. Uh, Leon? Uh, creates bitterness. Bitterness, okay. Jealousy can create bitterness. James? I think it stops you seeing good things in other people's lives. So instead of being happy for them, you start thinking, I want that, or you know, it kind of blinds you a little bit to, you, to that. Yes, and it damages relationships. I think on the same vein, I think it can make you dissatisfied with your 
Does right. It own good things in your own life? Maybe you don't even notice anymore how amazingly blessed you are because of that consuming jealousy of other people. I would say jealousy prevents learning. That's one of the great dangers. We don't learn when we're jealous because we're not curious. We'll come to that later. It blinds us to the reality of our own lives and the blessings, like you said. And it blinds us to the opportunity, because we'll talk about this in a minute, but jealousy can be a positive spur. But we'll come to that in a moment. There can be opportunities. Um, Shakespeare said this about jealousy. I remember this from studying back at school um, in Othello. Oh, beware, my lord of jealousy. It is the green-eyed monster which doth mock the meat it feeds on. Now, there's a quote for you for the day. It mocks the food it feeds on. It's, it's self-destructive. It eats itself. It, it, it mocks it. it. It's a horrible thing, is jealousy in this sense. Jealousy and fear are related. I think we see that in this passage. They are afraid of someone taking their position. They're afraid of this power. They're afraid that they might be in the wrong, that they are in a state of guilt. Jealousy and fear can be very... Related, We have to choose, when we're tempted towards jealousy, how we're going to react. And we can react in a healthy way, not in fear. The problem with fear is it leads to competition. Okay, if you've got that, I want that. I want to get it. And it makes us competitive in a negative sense. Or we can just discount what something has achieved or learned instead of being curious about it, and we're losing the opportunity. Curiosity, choosing curiosity, is the humble option. I think a test of our humility is how curious we are. Generally, let alone in spiritual matters, proud people are not curious. Proud people protect what they have. Curious people learn and thereby grow. There can be a good side to curiosity. Let me share this with you from Romans chapter 11, where Paul is writing about the Israelites and the Gentiles. He says, I'm talking to you, Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I take pride in my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy, another side of jealousy, if you like, and save some of them. That's a positive side of jealousy, that when we see something somebody else has that's good, it can motivate us to curiosity, to wanting what they have in a good way. So let's talk about the blessings of curiosity. Talk about the problems sometimes and the barriers with jealousy. But what about the, the, the blessings of curiosity? One of the most famous sayings about curiosity is that curiosity killed the cat. Now, if you're not a cat lover, that probably doesn't, you know, you're not bothered. But um, I, I think we need to, that in some contexts, that holds water. But I think we need to not, we can't live with that as curiosity is a dangerous thing. If we live with that, we're not going to learn and we're not going to grow. What are the barriers to curiosity? Let's talk about this for a minute. What are the barriers to being curious, Kate? A person thinking that they know. They already know what they need to know. Right. Yes. Good. That's a form of pride. Yes? Or manifestation of it. Okay. What other barriers are there to curiosity? Patricia. Fear. Fear. Fear of... What? What you might find out and that that might mean you've got to change. <laughs> <laughs> I don't speak from any personal experience, by the way. <laughs> no, I know, you know someone who has... Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, a friend of a friend. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, what were you going to say? Right. Someone might interpret your curiosity as weakness yeah. and you, that you wouldn't want to look weak, perhaps. Yes, Kate. Um, apathy and disinterest. Yeah. Okay, right. An apathetic approach to life or a particular issue. Yes. Did you have another one? point. Thank you. Uh, Dan? Being comfortable. Comfortable. If you feel like you've arrived. Yeah. The, the Western world. Don't need to be curious anymore. You have everything you need. Tesco's on the corner. Benefits. Everything mm. you have. There's no poverty. No, you're comfortable. We're rich. In right. Senses, so you right. don't need to be curious. Dangerous place to be, isn't it? Thank you. I, mean, I think that sense of apathy, complacency, that's, that, that's one big barrier to being curious. I think another barrier is, is past failures. Perhaps when you've been curious in the past and you got burned by it, yeah? It, that, that can make you shy of being curious about new things as they come along. When I was um, at primary school, I, I was about 10, and I was beginning to get interested in girls. Um, I mean, it was, you know, and I, it was a 10-year-old's interest in girls. So, but the thing is, quite a few of my friends at this primary school uh, had girlfriends. I mean, girlfriends in, as a 10-year-old, you know. But anyway, they did. And, and I was new to the school. I'd only been there a few months. We moved, moved towns, and I, I felt quite insecure. And I felt like, okay, I, if I could get a girlfriend, I'd be more accepted and I would be more secure. I'm not sure that those words and thoughts went through my mind in detail, but as I think about it now, I think, oh, how, how am I going to be accepted? I was the odd one out. I had a, had a Midlands accent. We'd moved from the Midlands down to Kent, and it, you know, I, I didn't fit in. Um, and I was one of the very few kids wearing short trousers when all the rest were wearing long trousers at that age. And so I thought, okay, these girlfriends, people, these, these boys with girlfriends, they, they, they look happy, they're, they're accepted, they're special, so I've got to get a girlfriend. So I looked around at the girls and, and, and looked at the ones that didn't have girlfriends and picked the one I thought looked nicest. And, uh, and then I thought, how, do, how does this work? And I thought, actually, I don't actually know how it works. No one's told me how you make a girlfriend. Uh, how, does that, how does that happen? I don't know. And so I, I had heard that one of my friends had said he loved the girl to the girl to ask her to be, his, to be there, to, not to even ask, but just to be boyfriend and girlfriend. I thought, oh, that's what you do. So I summoned up all of my courage, and I went out to this girl and, and, in, the, in the playground just before uh, assembly, and I said, I love you. And she looked at me strangely and walked off. 
and I decided I'm not going to be interested in girls for a while. Oh. I don't want that experience again. And I, I didn't actually really talk to a girl till I was about 17 years old. <laughs> Quite serious. Quite serious. I didn't really talk, to, apart from my sister, you know. But uh, I did, you know, it burned me for about seven years. I mean, past mistakes can stop you being curious. And I wonder whether that may be the case for some of us. We're not known as, we don't have that characteristic of curiosity because we've got hurt. Maybe hurt in church, hurt spiritually, disappointments with God. And it's caused us to stop being curious. What a, what a sad state when we allow that to happen. It's natural, but it doesn't have to be that way. It didn't have to be that way here for the high priests and their associates in the Sanhedrin. They didn't have to take this approach. So negative, flogging the apostles. What a, a sad thing. Briefly, and then we'll finish. What are some symptoms of, cur of curiosity? How do you know when you're being curious? What does it look like to be curious? Leon? You ask lots of questions. Yeah, asking questions. Okay, and not aggressive questions. Like, why are you doing that? Not, not, <laughs> no. Okay, not attacking questions, but yes, curious questions. Showing interest. Showing interest in somebody about what they're doing, what they're interested in, what they know about. Showing interest. You make mistakes. Sorry? You make mistakes. You make mistakes. You know you're in curiosity mode when you're making mistakes. <laughs> you, gotta, you can't get past that process, can we? Very good point. Anything else? Simon. Studying something. All right, tell you, yeah. If you want to improve or be better Okay. No, you're finding resources. Right, but really, really studying it, not just being casual in your approach, but I really want to know. Great point. Is it James Hadahan? Yeah, I think uh, I guess having an openness to a new way. I think if there's a, a slight openness to, okay, I'm, I'm open to a new. Right, that openness. You, you, do you know when you have that openness? Do you know that in yourself when you're in that place? You're open to new ideas. You're no, open to a new way of thinking, a new approach. You know that feeling? Yeah, okay. You sometimes recognize it when you don't have the feeling of, oh, it's not going to work. I know it's not going to work. Mm. Oh, I've tried that. Mm. Then if you don't have, if you discard those, Good point, good point. I've tried fasting, it didn't work. Yeah. Right? I tried praying for something, it didn't come, didn't come true, didn't happen. I've tried, I've tried this, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried making friends. Um, don't seem to get much back. I've tried being open, I've tried confessing, I've tried, I don't know. We, the things we've tried, we stop, but we, we stop having faith in, and what God is saying will work. He has his purpose. He's working it out. It may not be according to our timetable. We stop trusting when we're not. I know I'm curious when I'm trusting God, even though I can't see the outcome. As the high priest and the Sadducees maybe couldn't see the whole point of what was going on here, but they could have had a more trusting attitude about God's work going on. We need an attitude of curiosity because we get stuck in life. We all get stuck. We get stuck in our marriage. Curiosity will get you out of it. 
We get stuck raising our children. Curiosity will help. We get stuck at work when we think we should be getting promoted and we're not. Curiosity will sort that out. We get stuck emotionally with different challenges from our current lives or our, our past. We get stuck. Well, curiosity will open the door to a new way of thinking and feeling and living. And we get stuck spiritually. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian or used to be a Christian or I don't know, wherever you're at, we get stuck where we are from time to time. And it is curiosity that will bring you to God, that will bring you into a relationship with God, bring you into a deeper and more meaningful relationship with God. Curiosity is the key to all this. Curiosity is the way we grow. I want to encourage us and perhaps even challenge us to step outside of the comfort zone, to try new things, to be curious. I think I may have shared this before, but uh, when Fred was a little younger, my son, I, I wanted to try and get into his world a bit, bit more. And he was 18. And I, how do I get into his world? What is he like? At the time, um, he liked Jay-Z. And Jay-Z was performing in Birmingham. So I bought two tickets. And we drove up and stayed in a hotel near the, uh, the, 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 the arena and uh, went to see Jay-Z. Um, there he is, somewhere there he is, on screen. Um, I'm taking a picture. Um, Fred's standing next to me. A lot of thousands and thousands and thousands of people having a good time. I was the oldest person in the audience <laughs> by far. The only people my age were the security guards that all around. Um, and uh, it was a memorable experience. I learned a lot <laughs> about a, a, an area of culture and the world that I knew nothing of. And, um, and I was surprised by many things. Um, but it's a wonderful memory. And it's one of those things that Fred and I did together. And I'm glad I was curious enough to step a long way out of my comfort zone. We need this to grow, to learn. And Jesus, Jesus will come to you with greater clarity and greater personal connection when you're curious about him. In my opinion, if we're going to be curious about anything or anyone in this world, in, in our lives, it has to be Jesus. Jesus is more interesting than any person has ever lived on this earth. No one person has had the impact that Jesus has had. No one person founded a religion that is still going on 2,000 years later with all these followers around the world. No other person has made the claims that Jesus did to be deity, to be the son of God, and to be the one that can heal your soul, your heart, your mind, everything about you. He is the one, the only one, who can say with any um, authority that he has been to heaven and come back, that he has died and come back to life, and he has a gift of the Holy Spirit to give us, and that he is able to forgive our sins and give us a clear conscience so that we don't live in the kind of guilt that the high priest, his associates, and the Sadducees felt. We don't have to feel that. Jesus is worthy of our curiosity more than any other thing, more than any other purpose. Are you curious about Jesus? Especially if you still know him, are you still curious about Jesus? He's worthy of our curiosity. Let us decide not to give in to jealousy for what other people have and see, unless it leads us to God. Instead, let's keep hold of the spirit of curiosity and we will grow. And we will see God doing his life, doing our lives, 
what he plans to his glory. Amen. Amen.